You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and it's Tuesday, which means it's time to break down Jimbo Fisher's press conference Going into another week, AM is sitting at 5-1. They can close out the year at 9-1 with their only loss coming to the Alabama Crimson Tide. What would that mean for playoff stipulations? Is Jimbo Fisher even thinking that far ahead? Or is it just another week to where we have to go focus in on South Carolina? Before we begin, as always, make sure you're following this podcast here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this a more quality-sounding podcast every single day, because every single day is a Locked On Aggies podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Give me a follow. And secondly, Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Before we begin the show, um, everyone knows what today is. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I'm not. I, I don't want people to ever have this notion of because you work in the media, because of you are certain this, you have to lean a certain way. If you, if you, you know, if you work for Fox, you're automatically a Republican. If you work for CNN, you're a Democrat. Uh, you're a liberal, you know, whatever they want to call you. The one thing that I've never allowed anyone to know is which way I lean in a political party, and I'm never going to. But the one thing I am a proponent of is voting. We as American citizens have the right, the duty, to help change the foreground of our country. And whatever way you think that the country needs to look, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with differing opinions. I completely understand both arguments on either side. But sitting at home saying my vote doesn't matter is where there is a problem. So, if you haven't already, get up, get out of your house, go wait in line, and go ahead and vote today. Your vote could be the vote that helps fix the future of our country or keeps the plan in motion that you see fit. But the only way that any of that can happen is if you go out and you vote. And more importantly, I'm just going to be completely honest, and this is just me, if you don't vote, don't vote. But then you are not allowed to complain. That's just my opinion of it. But speaking of opinions, we're done talking about just this political commentary. Instead, let's talk about the opinion of what to think of last week's game. Now, Texas A&M did get the 42-31 victory over the likes of Arkansas. But if you really watched that game, it was more of a 42-17 with the defense kind of allowing Arkansas's offense to slowly stifle back into the conversation. It wasn't one of those games where, oh, this came down to the wire like every other year. Technically, yes, because of it was an 11-point victory. But it wasn't a game that when you look at it on paper, they're on the same playing field. A&M was clearly the better team. For about three and a half quarters, they showed why they were the better team. And if not for a late touchdown pass from Felipe Franks and a late touchdown run from Rakeem Boyd, You'd be talking about this being the first big blowout in the Southwest Classic we've seen since 2012, the last time AM hosted Arkansas at Kyle Field. 
But naturally, you take it day by day, week by week, time at a time, and that's exactly what Jimbo Fisher's doing right now going into this upcoming week against the likes of South Carolina. Here were his opening thoughts about what he had to say about the team's success against the Hogs last Saturday. Reviewing the film, uh, very good win at home uh, against the Hogs. Anytime you get an SEC win, it's good. Uh, did some really good things in the game. Uh, thought our kicking game, we did a nice job. Our kickoff, of course, what's the name? Kicking the, uh, Caden's kicking the ball out of the end zone with no coverage. Did a great job. I mean, you know, given no chance for returns. Uh, our punt team did a really nice job. We ended up, we ended up having to punt in the fourth quarter. Uh, averaged about 42 yards in net with no returns. Getting great hang time. Love it. Uh, in those situations, got a couple nice punt returns out of the deal. Uh, Nias got some great field position for us in that regard, and we able to they kick one ball on the ground. We got a good kickoff return, got it back out past the 25, and did a real nice job there. And and those things um, got all of our PATs and things going there. Uh, uh, offensively, uh, sharp in the game. Uh, had the first drive, uh, we didn't get points, and we scored six straight touchdowns. It was really good. I wish we could have ran the ball. I, we got a couple more first. We had a couple first downs actually the next drive. Then got a holding penalty and got set back. We were moving it again, and uh, then had a drop pass that stopped us on that drive. Then the next two drives had a run. We met, actually missed a cut. We blocked it very well and just missed a cut. One of the few we missed in the game that really could have come out for a big play, and uh, really set us up. And we got behind and didn't want to take any chances. We were up three scores and, and managed the game and got out of it. But you know, want to finish a little better there. But otherwise, thought we on third down we were excellent. Red zone scoring touchdowns we were excellent. We had good balance. Uh, as far as being able to run and throw the football, protected the quarterback very well, very few negative plays. I had the three holding calls, which was misfortune. I didn't know. We got check on a couple. I want to ask on a couple. They were close, but, you know, that's that's everyone's going to make sure we're doing the right things and teaching the right things there. Actually scored a touchdown off two holding calls in one drive, which I bet you can count on my on one hand or less than one, maybe one finger or two fingers you ever have score a touchdown with two holding calls in the same drive. But uh, – uh, distribution across the board, different guys catching the ball, good reads. Kellen was very – in our run checks, protections, pass checks, the things he was doing, preparation was very good in that regard. Defensively, uh, didn't get started off well. They got moving the football, got a score. We answered really good and came back. Like I said, big drives I thought were answering back on offense after they scored. Answering when they got 21-14 on offense, making it 28-14. Then the defense getting a big stand around the 30, 35-yard line, not giving up any points before half was really huge. And then the offense scoring the first drive of the second half to get us up three scores. But then defensively, uh, settled down. Uh, we did a really good job of getting off the field on third down. Gave up a couple too many big plays. And in the run game, we, we had some unfortunate – usually we're really good on the run. They hit some things inside. We got out of gaps and a little bit out of gap control and trying to make a few more plays instead of staying inside on what we're trying to do in, in the end-to-end tackle linebacker. But things that can be easily fixed. And uh, down the field, then the defense in the third quarter did a really nice job where we were able to stretch the game out and – and uh, play, but you know, we a lot of things we got to get better on. Still growing, but a good win, good win at home, and got to go play a very good South Carolina team on the road. South Carolina's beat some good teams, beat Auburn. They play really good at home. Night game over there is always tough. Will's a heck of a football coach. Uh, Mike Bobo on offense, known him a long time. Very good football coach, and they got really good players. I mean, their corners, both corners are. One's projected to be a first rounder in one preseason. The other one was projected to be a first rounder for the season. So very good there. They got rush guys up front, 52, and those guys can rush. The backers, 53, and those guys make a ton of plays. Five, uh, six up front. Those guys are strong, a strong offensive line. The backs can really run the football. Uh, the young back 20 is really doing a great job for them, in my opinion, how physical he is. Uh, quarterback's doing a good job there. And then, of course, Shy Smith had a big play on us last year. He's a really good, uh, really good receiver. So they, the tight ends are good. So they'll have a good scheme. 
we're going to have to play well and uh, got to do it on, on, a, on a short week where we don't get, you know, uh, your practices today because uh, tomorrow being off, which is the right thing to do for, for voting and getting our kids to make sure we vote and they, they exercise their right to do that, get all that taken care of. But uh, that does challenge you as far as our preparation. We've got to get things ready quickly today and, and then go back on Wednesday. So again, no practice today because players will be going out to go ahead and vote and use their ballots. And again, I'm not bringing that up. But here's something that I just want to bring up real fast. Texas A&M had a better game. Statistically, they did not. Let me explain. They were outscored in yardage, 461 to 442. They were outscored in completion percentage with uh, tw- uh, with uh, 86%. You had, if I'm not mistaken... You had the exact same amount of touchdowns between Franks and Kellen Mond. You also had higher rushing yards by a significant amount, 162 versus 222. You had more rushing attempts. You had fewer penalties for the likes of Arkansas, 5 for 51 yards, 9 for 100 yards versus A&M. They had more first downs, 29 for Arkansas, 25 for A&M. The biggest difference of all, and the one that I continue to harp on, more times than not, is third down efficiency. People don't understand how important connecting on third down is. AM went 7 of 11 on third down. That's a 63, almost 64% completion rating on third down to keep drives alive. Arkansas went 3 of 12. That's 25%. Here's what happened. You had a punt on the very first drive. You had six straight touchdowns for AM. You had a touchdown for uh for Arkansas. You had a punt, a missed field goal, a touchdown, a missed field goal, a, a field goal, a punt, a punt, a touchdown, a punt, a touchdown. Oh, and a turnover on downs. Because you couldn't connect on third down. AM scored six straight touchdowns. That was the ultimate factor. That's what decided the game. AM didn't punt until the very end, and by that point. It was more so just very poor play calling, in my opinion. Three straight punts. Also, only one of those drives was not a three and out. So on those third down plays that we're talking about being efficient, two of them, which would have actually made them seven for nine at that point, and if you do the math that way, it would have been an eighty, almost an 80% completion rating on third down. That's why A&M won that game. You win on third down, I would say 8 out of 10 times, you win the game. If you have a higher completion rating on third down, you are the better team. Because what you're doing is you're maintaining the clock. Look at these drives. It's not as if AM also just was kind of out of it. AM on the on their last touchdown drive, their last two touchdown drives were six yards, I mean six plays, nine plays, eight plays. 11 plays, 5 plays, 6 plays, punt, 4 and out, 4 plays. The other punts, 5, 3, 3, end of the game, 1 play to kneel down. That is it. Plays continue to move the clock. When the clock continues to tick and you win the time of possession, which that was the only other thing A&M won, was time of possession. They won 3rd down and they won time of possession. It gave them time to give... Arkansas moments to struggle and when they struggled they struggled hard and more importantly they struggled their way to a loss 
Right, so much like all of you, I am always on the go, go, go. When I fly, 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 I need a break, break, break. But unfortunately, I don't always get those moments. When I do, though, I do like to enjoy, sit back, maybe go into a whirlpool, maybe go to a pool, sit outside in the sun, and drink an ice-cold beer. Now, for me personally, the beer that I always reach for, that would be Coors Light because it's literally made to chill. Now, watching football is therapeutic to fans because it's uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and just drink a beer. And with minimal college football teams playing as of right now, going into this upcoming week, Coors Light wants you to know there's still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow you to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the official sport of watching the Aggies just to drink a beer because it's cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged, and can literally made to chill. I mean, it's chill is in the words. Listen, we all have busy days. I know I do for sure, but when I do get a moment to relax, I like to kick back and have an ice cold beer. And I know that Coors Light is always going to be refreshing because of the Blue Mountains. Tell me it's as cold as the Rockies. Thanks to the great people of the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And Coors Light's the beer that I choose to drink when I unwind. So why should it not be the one for you when you want to reset and hit that button that's literally made to chill? Get Coors Light in their new delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And always remember, celebrate responsibly. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, we're glad to keep talking about things, Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. You want to podcast running your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows mentioned, plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you geared up and winning your fantasy football season this upcoming week. All you got to do is subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day, because every single day is a Locked On Podcast Day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Here's the deal. Texas A&M did not have a runner go over 100 yards this past weekend, but they did have three very good players, and that would be, of course, Isaiah Spiller, Anaya Smith, and rookie Devon Shane. Now, I've been really high on Ashane, but we haven't really seen enough of him until this past weekend when he did score the team's final touchdown to put them up 42-17 to on a 30-yard run where he literally, and when I mean literally, I actually mean literally, burned past defenders on his way to the end zone. Now, according to Jimbo Fisher, this is not supposed to be a change of pace or, you know, someone's going to lose that many carries. But at the same time, it never hurts to have one too many of a certain position. You never have enough of those good. You never have enough good backs, man. The physicality of this leg and the carries and the way a season goes on. Trust me, you need every one of those guys. And I'll, I need some more. I need some more. I'm not, I'm not rich. We, I, we need to be richer, I promise. Just remember last year, Texas A&M had five losses. Two were to SEC opponents that were ranked right around the same spot as them at the beginning of the year. Three were to number one ranked teams. In each of those games, anybody remember how the rushing went? Oh, right, right. There was no rushing game whatsoever because Jayshon Corbin got hurt. Cordarian Richardson only played in a limited role, and then he left the program. And then Jacob Cabote, same thing. Isaiah Spiller was the only run game last year. And this was a very good AM team that had the veteran weapons that at this time looked to be very competent in the passing game. But they didn't have a run game. Part of the reason I think Kellen Mond was so under the microscope this past year was because of the limited run game. Now, Smith was playing wide receiver, but then he did come in and play in the bowl game against Oklahoma State, which I do think helped out. 
But at the same time, you have to look at the other weapons that were there. He would never have been in that backfield if Cordarian Richardson, Jacob Cabote, and Jay Sean Corbin were still there. If those three are still in that backfield, maybe we don't see Smith move positions. And instead, Corbin still is in College Station. Ashane now is possibly in an even more limited role. And does Spiller transfer? I mean, if, if Corbin doesn't get hurt, Spiller's going to be playing that limited capacity role because of Corbin's going to be your main guy. Now, he's back in Tallahassee. Uh, Cabote's out in San Antonio with Incarnate Word. And Richardson, I, I think, is just out of football completely, if I'm not mistaken. But more to the point, running games matter, especially in an SEC opponent's backfield. I mean, last year alone, A&M won the South Carolina game because of a good run game. Because of what you saw from Isaiah Spiller. Because of Cordarian Richardson coming out. They were a very good run defense too. Javon Kinlaw, great defensive tackle. He held opponents, I think he held Alabama's Najee Harris to, if I'm not mistaken, under 110 yards. I think under 100 yards. I mean, how much times does, how many times do you see that happen? It's rough. So yes, having a established run game with multiple pieces is good. And do you need more running backs? Maybe not. But what you definitely need to do is you need to understand that you have two other guys in that backfield, especially one in DeAndre Jackson, who could help out in the run game as well. Maybe he's not completely ready, but definitely I think is is around. Back to the main part of the story, actually. It's really funny. I forgot that I've, that this was brought up. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was actually asked about third down efficiencies. If you didn't know, the reason why A&M has been playing better recently is because they're ranked number one in third down conversions this year. Maybe that's because of the defenses that they face so far. Maybe not. Up until the Alabama game, they were ranked, I think, number 25th. Since then, they've ranked number one. Here's what he had to say on third down conversions. One, it starts with the quarterback. It always does. But it starts with protection from the offensive line. It starts from routes, from guys getting open, knowing how to get open, how to get into spacing, get everything proper, whether it's backs, tight ends, receivers. It's a, it's a cumulative effect, and we emphasize it. We understand that. You always hear me say third down conversions is a huge part of the game and gives you four more shots and being able to get off the field on defense. And that's something we work on. We, I mean, we start on Monday. We start early in the week on our third down red zone conversions and our, and our uh, game planning, not just, you know, because even though first and second down and all that stuff, we start very early, work a lot on Mondays, a lot more than some folks, I think, is that we're on the field and do a lot more on Mondays with pads uh, than a lot of guys. And uh, we've just been fortunate in it. Guys are doing a good job and knock on wood. Hopefully we can do it. And they're throwing, catching the ball or running the ball. I mean, being, I think having balance has been good too. We've been able to run it and throw it. And you know, that's been able to convert credit. Now, again, when Jimbo Fisher says throw it, people are always saying, well, you've only thrown for 225 yards, 235 yards. Well, doesn't really matter. You're still converting. You're able to convert through the air. You're able to convert on the ground. This is what he's talking about. AM in the last couple weeks, I would say at least since Florida. So, Florida, Mississippi State, and Arkansas games, every single game that they've played, they've been consistent. Is I think the only word I can make with this. They've been a quality team. They've built themselves in a spot where they can be effective on third down, 
and they can get themselves in a position to either rely on the run or quick slant pass, get open, keep the drive alive. You watch a lot of these plays. The offensive line has been great on third down. Now, they've struggled at moments. They struggled at Mississippi State. I think I'm more so on second down and first down than anything else. They struggled immensely at Alabama. They struggled on first down immensely against Florida. This past game was the offensive line's best game. Easily for AM. But on the flip side, this also was a game where AM just was able to do whatever they wanted. Again, if you convert, I would say, over 50% of your plays on third down, you're going to win the game. AM converted almost 67%. That's a big win for the Aggies. I mean, a monumental win. And they need to keep that momentum going into this weekend against South Carolina. Will AM hit their wall? More importantly, what's your wall? Where do you find your limit to where you just are having to stop instead of breaking through on the next level? Probably it's because you're tired. That's why I recommend you go ahead and get now Built Go. Built Go is a healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake and it's lasting and more importantly, it's natural. Whether you need it's a mental or physical water breakthrough, do it every day with Built Go. Because if the packages are very small, they're only 1.5 ounces. You can put them in your briefcase, put them in your golf bag to get you through the back nine, or you can even power through just by putting it in your pocket to get you through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market because it's a lot like five-hour energy without that same crashing feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the bodies. And with three delicious flavors, including peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint, you have a variety to pick from. Built Go combines energy with collagen protein. Collagen protein is a fast absorbing, so it gets into your system a lot faster than the stomach acid, and it's easier on your body. Plus, Built Go is filled with all the good stuff to ignite your workout, such as beta-aligne, B3, honey, and just a small kick of caffeine. Plus, with all the B6 and B12 vitamins that you have in there, Built Go kicks in to keep you staying strong. Go visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED or 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Make it through the rest of your day without having to slack off with BuiltGo. Let's go. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson and the Gravity talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and on Spotify. Make sure you listen every day at LockedOnPodcast.com. Well, in case you didn't know, Jimbo Fisher and Will Muschamp have a long history with each other. In fact, they are both back to the days of Nick Saban assistants. One was the offense coordinator for the LSU Tigers. The other was an up-and-coming defense coordinator for the LSU Tigers. Both helped Saban win a national title in 2003 before they both went on to have illustrious careers at, I would say, for Fisher, Florida State, which then he went all the way to become the head coach. For Muschamp, it was UT to Florida to Auburn to now South Carolina. But With these two knowing each other, not just playing in the SEC and also playing each other in the ACC, these two have a history on and off the field. Here's what Jimbo Fisher had to say about preparing for an event against one of your friends. Well, I mean, they've seen it, but, you know, like I say, you know what they do, they know what you do, so... You know, what you can change, what they can change. I mean, listen, Will, as a great coach, always has been. He was a tremendous defense coordinator. He was a very good head football coach. So um, you're going to have to be sound in what you do. There, is there advantages or disadvantages? I don't really think so. After a while, it gets back to the players, and you got to be sound in your schemes and execute what you want to do. And, 
you know, he knows me, I know him, and, and all of a sudden, but we can always change too. We know that. <laughs> so sometimes there's an advantage, sometimes there isn't an advantage. So it goes back and forth. He, he does a great job. And I, I, now, you know, it's been so many years, it's just, you know, it's, it's just another, like playing anybody else. You play him so many times. You know, I'll be honest with you, not really. I mean, I love competing. No matter who you're going to compete against, you do it. But, you know, this business is so tough and rough because one of at the end of the day, is not going to feel good. And you hate for it to be anybody that, you, you know, you have very good friendships with. I mean, it is. I mean, it is what it is, and you get used to doing it, and you're in this business so long, everybody becomes your daggone friend. But, you know, Will, Will and I go way, way back, and I always look at him uh, very favorably as a friend. And, and like, I don't particularly like playing friends, to be honest with you. So these two are actually more like best buddies than they are, I would say, anything else. They're not just, you know, people who are passerbyers. They both kind of came up in the same system and earned their keep under the likes of Saban. I think that's why both of them have such a huge respect for whenever they play Grandpa Saban in Tuscaloosa, Columbia, or College Station. But with these two, Jimbo Fisher basically said, yeah, I don't really like playing Will because I don't want him to feel bad. But also the one thing I could take away from this side of this press conference is that he said how in moments like today, it's about the players that you recruit. A&M has been in the top 10 recruiting the last... I'm trying to remember. Is it now five straight years? Six straight years? Either way, they've been in the top 10 in recruiting. They've been almost in the top five the last three years. They finished sixth, seventh, and sixth. On paper, this should be an easy win for Texas A&M. But again, if Jimbo Fisher does not change the way he's always coached against Will Muschamp, maybe Muschamp's got a few things up his sleeve. Either way... I do love these type of games because of in these games, you see the fire and the dry between two friends wanting bragging rights for the rest of the year. And that's why I think that this is always going to be a fun game as long as Muschamp Stone Columbia and I think as long as uh, Fisher's still in College Station because it's a game that these two teams play each other every year. So they really know each other very well. That's good for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow, let's break down some of the key players on South Carolina's offense and South Carolina's defense. There are a few really highly touted defensive backs who could make it a nightmare for Kellen Mond on Saturday. We'll be discussing all that. We'll see you then. And remember, take me home. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.